Good morning and welcome to the Church of Jesus Christ here on Sunday, August the 9th here in Mesa, Arizona. I'm thankful again to be here. I'm thankful for you who have tuned in this morning. And our theme today is Then Jesus Came. And I want you to know today that Jesus came for me and he came for you. And that's our message and that's my hope today that every morning I wake up and I have joy because I know Jesus Christ. And without him, there is nothing else in this world that can bring us that hope and that joy. So my hope today is that you receive him with an open heart, um, that our minds might be open and receptive um, to the word of God today. Our brother Pete um, is going to be addressing us, and I look forward to what the Lord has in store for us. If you don't get enough this morning, I'm going to invite you later today. We have a Lady Circle meeting at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, if you don't have the link, you can email us at news at Mesa Branch, or you can find it on Facebook. Uh, we'll make a post later this morning so that everyone might be able to see. Uh, we love you so much. We thank you again for tuning in today. We're going to open in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day, and I thank you for everyone tuned in today. Um, I thank you for the love that you have for us. And I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, Lord, who gives us hope, Lord, who gives us joy. No matter what comes into our lives, Lord, no matter what anxiety, no matter what sickness, no matter what we face, Lord, we know that we can put our trust in you and that you can take us through this, Lord. So I pray that you might um, join us today, that you might direct us in everything that we do. Whether we preach, whether we sing, whether we testify, Lord, I pray that it might be done to your honor and glory, Lord, and we might be led by your spirit, most importantly. Fill us with your love today. Fill us with your hope, your son, Jesus Christ. And in this prayer, uh, we offer it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. It is uh, so good uh, to be in the house of the Lord again and uh, to be addressing you, although virtual. Um, I have to say I, um, I could feel your love, and uh, I feel the spirit of the Lord every time I come in this place. And uh, every time that we speak of Jesus, every time that we lift up the name of the Lord, um, we feel the holy presence of God. That's his promise. Um, and so this morning, um, I, I just am very excited about this topic. Um, this message this morning uh, is a message of encouragement, brothers and sisters and friends. To those that have accepted the Lord, it should stir you a, a, a great reminder of what the Lord Jesus is able to do for our lives. To those of you that have not met Christ yet as your Savior and have not by faith accepted him, therefore motivating you to fulfill his commandments, I hope this is a message that will really move you to want to accept the Lord Jesus Christ and, and to call upon his ministry for the next steps. Okay, um, And then lastly... Um, I hope that this message is a message also for the priesthood of the Lord Jesus Christ and for anyone in our church that has been called to point Jesus or to point people to Jesus Christ, and that is all of our ministry. And so this beautiful uh, lesson is entitled, Then Jesus Came, 
And um, I want you to know that this morning, today, is the acceptable year of the Lord. I, I've got a few brothers here with me this morning. Uh, of course, Brother AJ, Brother Micah, who we want to just give a shout out to Brother Micah. He is like amazing in what he's done over these months. He's the engineer, brothers and sisters and friends, of when to go to camera, when to go to presentation, how to key, key the songs up. He's just phenomenal. And now we've got young brother Jared Scalero in the back, and Jared's going to be uh, the apprentice learning from the master, and I'm excited about that. And so they're all here this morning, and I said to brother Jared as he came in, brother Jared, do you know what is the acceptable year of the Lord? And he said, well, brother Pete, I don't know that, but I'm sure I'm going to learn it this morning. And so we are going to learn it. Um, um, and it's on. There we go. Well, first off, what we're going to do is we're going to read this beautiful scripture. The Lord, um, as he was turning 30, and we all know by the scriptures, began his earthly ministry. He, the time had now come where he was to fulfill what God's commandments were for him as the Savior of the world. God himself come down among the children of men. And the Lord, in this beautiful scripture, Isaiah, I wonder if Isaiah, I don't know, but I wonder if he had a, 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 an actual vision of how this scripture was going to be fulfilled. I, I don't know. I don't know. I know that he spoke it. I know that the Book of Mormon teaches us that every prophet that ever lived, crescendoing with John, climaxing with John the Baptist, every prophet testified and prophesied of Jesus Christ the Savior. That was their purpose, the prophets, the major and the minor. And then why John said, or why Jesus said John was the greatest among all prophets and women born, right, was because he introduced Jesus personally. It wasn't that he was a greater man, but it was that he had the wonderful, wonderful opportunity to present the Lamb of God who shall take away the sins of the world. And so we're going to go right to this scripture. Um, we're going to pull it up, and we're going to call it out. And this is found in Isaiah, the 61st chapter, and it starts with the first verse. And it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. I want you to understand good tidings means the gospel, brothers and sisters and friends. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Oh, just listen to these words, brothers and sisters and friends. Could you, can you put yourself in any of these situations of what Jesus was going to do? To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. Judgment. To comfort all that mourn. And the third verse, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion and to give unto them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they might be called the trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that he might be glorified. You know, brothers and sisters and friends, um, we'll go back to the presentation. The term, the acceptable year of the Lord, is exactly a type 
and what, what, what the prophet was calling out, they understood. Oh, Israel understood this, this, this term. It was the year of Jubilee. And maybe you know the year of Jubilee. Maybe you've studied that. But the acceptable year of the Lord was the year of Jubilee. A consecrated year. A year to remedy all of poverty. All of slavery. All of debt and bondage. See, God didn't want his people in slavery and bondage. We could actually be slavery to debt, brothers and sisters and friends, and, and, and to all of the things that would weigh us down. And it is all the root of sin. A sacred year when all debts were forgiven, and mainly being free from sin, and being free from a servant of sin. Isn't that just outstanding? There are five things in these three verses that Jesus came to do, and we're going to go over those today. These five things. And I want you to understand this morning that the Lord Jesus was announcing what these five things were when he first started his ministry. I, before we get into this beautiful slide, I want to take you back to this little town, this little sleepy town of Nazareth. You know, the scripture teaches us that they used to say, what, what good comes out of Nazareth? There's no good that comes out of Nazareth. That's how it had of no reputation. And you know, Jesus walks into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and as was the custom, we read this all in Luke, by the way, as was the custom, he stood up and it was his turn to read. Isn't that amazing? I don't know what their custom was. I would imagine maybe they all took turns. But the rabbi points to Jesus and says, here's the book. And the book was already opened to Isaiah. And the scripture says that Jesus found the passage in the 61st chapter because now this was going to be prophecy fulfilled. And after Jesus reads it, he closes the book and he sits down. And I have to tell you, brothers and sisters and friends, the scripture says they were, they, they were just in shock. Never heard anybody speak with such authority, right? We'll come back to that in a little while. And so the first thing he calls out, point number one, is I come to preach the gospel. Good tidings to the meek. Why the meek? Oh, how beautiful. The, the last three or four weeks, Brother AJ, I think it's been the last three or four weeks, Brother John has been teaching us about humility, Brother John Scalero. And Jared and I have had a wonderful discussion on this about a week ago, Brother Jared, how being meek is not weak. I think I preached that a couple years ago. We couldn't find a sermon. We'll have to scrub it a little better. All meekness is, is that you're willing to listen. You're in a position to listen. You're in a position to be obedient. Jesus was meek, and he was obedient to the Father. And you know, at this time in life, and, and you know, the, the, the condition that we're in, just think about it. And this was no different in their day. Men struggled to be right with God. Brothers and sisters and friends, that's what I want to call out today. You that have accepted Jesus Christ, in your life, are you still struggling to be right with God? If you are, I want you to listen very closely. I know sometimes I do. Sometimes I struggle. 
And in all their struggles, it still left them. <laughs> they worked and they labored and they tried to follow the law and they, and they, they worked all of the ordinances and they worked all of the, the ceremonies and yet they still found themselves separate from God. Brothers and sisters and friends, then Jesus came that fateful day. And he came to the synagogue and he spoke to them what he was going to do. He was going to preach them good tidings. The very next things that he began to speak unto them is that the good tidings of Christ is that salvation is coming to the children of men. It was preached from the beginning. But the Jews in the wilderness lost their way. The Hebrew children, all throughout the ages, they lost their way. They didn't know where to find salvation. It was ceremony after ceremony. And you know what Jesus was saying to them? Salvation requires righteousness. Righteousness. I'll, all these scriptures I'll say for you. And I want you to look them up if you have time. We'll send this out. I'll have Sister Wendy do that to the branch. The good tidings of Christ is that salvation is of faith. It's not of works. Oh, how beautiful. Apostle Paul says in Galatians that all the works of the law couldn't bring us to justification. It was justification through Jesus and faith. The good tidings of Christ is that salvation is for those that are willing to receive it. Has a willing heart. Willing to listen. Knowing and feeling that they had a need. You know, Wednesday night we were talking about this, this beautiful topic of humility. And I was so blown away with the experience of one of our brothers um, that I, I won't call his name out, but he, he had a very, very troubled life, especially when he was a young person. And he found himself in prison. And now he was facing the judge, and easily the sentence could have been a couple-year term. And all of a sudden, before he was even able to open his mouth, as he got before the judge, a godly sorrow fell upon this young brother. And he began to weep uncontrollably feeling so sorry for what he had done. Willing to accept whatever was going to be laid before him, but filled with meekness. And all of a sudden, the Lord was moved by that. And he touched the heart of the judge, who just dropped all the charges. And it changed his life. I want to say to that brother that spoke to us Wednesday night in that beautiful testimony who I love so much, Jesus came that moment in your life and everything changed. Jesus came into that courtroom and touched your heart and oh, you were willing to repent. How beautiful. It's not of works. It's of faith, brothers and sisters. And yet, if our faith is dead with no works, then we are nothing. And so we need to be filled with this beautiful salvation. You know, he came to those, the second point. He came to those that, to bind up the brokenhearted. I love the little nursery rhyme. I love the nursery rhyme about Humpty Dumpty, who sat on a wall 
and he had a great fall. And all the king's horses and men couldn't put him back together again. Well, there's one king that I know of that could put together the broken pieces of our lives. And that's Jesus the Christ. Oh, praise the Lord. He came to those who were broken and wounded. You know, our life, brothers and sisters and friends, is one series of painful experiences after another. There's joy mingled in. Praise the Lord. But in this life, there's nothing but heartache, I'm telling you. Okay? And I'm not seeing the glass half empty. I just want you to know, that's life. Lives that cannot sometimes be put back together again by a hospital, by a doctor. Sorry, Brother AJ. Can't be put back together again by a therapist or a psychiatrist. Can't be put back together again with money and wealth. Who can sew up and bind the wound of a, of, a, of a pierced soul that sin is just torn apart. I only know of one that's the friend of a wounded and of a broken heart, and that's Jesus. Then he comes and restores and mends the brokenness. Oh, there's a beautiful scripture by the prophet Zechariah that calls out when the people of God were hurting so bad. There was a land in Israel, and it was called Gilead. And in that land, there was beautiful balm that was a healing to the people. Who knows how they harvested it? I don't know. But when the people of God were hurting, the prophet calls out, Is there not a balm in Gilead? You know, and, and, and the Lord, how beautiful, gives us a type and shadow there of Jesus. There's that old Negro spiritual that we sing. There's a bomb in Gilead, and it makes the wounded whole. Oh, there's a bomb in Gilead, and it heals the sin-sick soul. Brothers and sisters and friends, praise the Lord. If there's any of you out there that are brokenhearted and wounded, I want you to know that in the spirit of Jesus, there is healing for your heart and soul. There's healing it's the best antibiotic, Brother A.J. It's the best medicine. It's the best therapeutic uh, uh, prescription. That's Jesus Christ. The third is that he came to proclaim liberty. Liberty to the captives that were stuck in the innermost prison. You know, one time, brothers and sisters and friends, I was in a very bad situation in my life. Bad situation. Financially, spiritually, emotionally. I was just, I had, I had a major failure in my life. This is about 10 years ago. And one night I had a dream. It woke me up out of my sleep. And I'm not a dreamer, but I had a dream. And in this dream, I was being processed to go into the innermost prison. And they would take me into this one section of the prison, and the doors would slam shut. And then another set would open. And I was going deeper and deeper into the prison. The doors would open, and I would call out, wait a minute. Wait, I, I want to see my wife and kids. Bang, the doors would shut. 
And I was going in, and, and it was so awful, brothers and sisters and friends, that when I woke up, the final door of the inner prison slammed shut, and I woke up out of a dead sleep. And immediately I knew the Lord was showing me, Pete, you're in a prison. And the only way you're going to get out is through humbling yourself and falling on your knees and calling out for Jesus. And you know, even then I didn't listen. I suffered for two weeks with an anxiety attack that was something I never experienced in my life. Finally, one day on a Saturday after weeks, I hadn't been to church. I was too embarrassed. I was disheveled. I lost 30 pounds in, one, in 10 days. My son, Jordan, came to the house. He prayed for me. And he said to me, Dad, you need to humble yourself, and you need to go to church, and you need to have prayer. And when I did that, I took all the strength that I had. And hands were laid on me and my wife for strength. I hadn't slept for 10 days straight. I would sleep maybe 20 minutes and wake up in all this fear. I went home that day completely 100% healed. I fell asleep. The next day I got up, I jumped on a plane, I went and faced the music. I slept on the way down to my destination. Even Brother Joe and Yanni was my sweetheart. He was my brother. Oh, how much I loved him. He was standing in his post ready to help me. Uh, I was working in Dallas at the time. I slept all that night. And later on the week, my childhood pastor, Brother Paul Palmieri, was actually in the Dallas branch or the Fort Worth branch. The Lord had sent him there for me. So many people today are enslaved. I don't know what you're enslaved with. Maybe you have issues. I don't know. I know I did in my life. I couldn't get out till I went to the Lord. You could see all of the things that are up on the screen. People try to escape their bondage. They try and they try and they fail over and over again. And despair sets in and we can't break free. But then Jesus comes. Jesus comes. And we're free at last. Faith in Christ breaks the chains. Sometimes they're so physical and they're so real. We've had experiences in our church where people are at the waters and we hear chains rattling, haven't we? Because the chains have broken free, no longer hopelessness. No longer it abounds. A new life begins. Oh, that beautiful hymn. says, I believe that Jesus has the same power to change lives today, doesn't he? For he's changed me completely. A new life is mine, and that is why, brothers and sisters and friends, by the cross I will stay. So beautiful Alma says in this wonderful account, if you ever want to read about somebody that needed chains broken and needed hope again in their life, who was so desperately lost and was in the, the, the darkest places of hell, he says, my soul has been redeemed from the gall of bitterness and the bonds of iniquity, and I was in the darkest abyss. I love it. 
but now I behold the marvelous light of God. Oh, what a power that he felt because of the prayers of the saints of God. What a conversion. What a powerful blessing. This is one of my favorites. Why the Lord came. You know, it was a custom for the Jews that when they had a bad thing happen in their life, maybe somebody, a very close relative like a son or a daughter, had disrespected the father or mother, and they disowned them. They separated them from the family, and the father would put on ashes or put on a sackcloth. And he would sit in a pile of ashes and he would scoop them on his head. He would rent his clothes and he would, he would basically live in mourning that his son who was alive is dead to him now. Or if someone had been lost to them for just physical death, Jesus came as the fourth principle to bring beauty for ashes. Do you remember this story? It was his life to sit in the highway begging. He didn't sit, he didn't do anything wrong. But one day he was blind from birth. And I'm sure as he got older and realized one day, this is my life. And I'm not talking about Stevie Wonder here or Ray Charles. I'm talking about this beggar that didn't have that talent that sat in his old destiny was to sit in the way and beg for a meager amount of, of, of gifts and offerings from people. You see those people on our street corners and in our interstates, and they sit there with their signs, and some really look bad. And you could say, well, Brother Pete, you know, the beggars have been around for thousands of years. That's true. But I have to tell you, it still hurts the Lord's heart. It should hurt ours. No hopes and dreams of a beautiful life. What about my family? What about maybe being married someday and having children? There was no hope for this man. His dreams were completely turned to ashes, brothers and sisters and friends. His name was Bartimaeus. And all of a sudden, then Jesus came one day. He heard about Jesus Christ healing people and found out that the road he was begging on, the Savior was coming that day. And he began to cry out, Oh, son of David, have mercy on me. Oh, what meekness, what humility, what need, what brokenness. I'm sitting in a pile of ashes, Lord, and I need your help. And the people began to quiet him and saying, Shut up. Be quiet. You're disturbing the peace. And you know what the scripture says? He called out all the more. He called out all the more. Finally, Jesus stopped in his way and said to blind Bartimaeus, come here. And the scripture says, and I, I don't believe Mark puts this there for just, just, just for like a little bit of uh, color or perspective. The scripture says that he cast away his garment and he ran to Jesus. You know what casting away your garment is? I'm casting away all sin. I'm repenting of the Lord. I'm running to the Lord just as I am, throwing down all of my issues and I'm coming with a heart of belief. 
what will you that I might do for you? Oh, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus made him whole that very hour. There's a beautiful song. I, I, I remember singing it back in the, in the 90s at our church gathering, and it was a choir song. Then Jesus came. And the song goes, then Jesus came, and, and my world changed. Light broke through the darkness when I called his name. Then Jesus came, and suddenly I can see forever. Then Jesus came. The last thing I want to say, and I'm going to wrap it up here. This is what the Lord did. He came to give the oil of joy for mourning. In life, we have sorrow, brothers and sisters and friends. We have death and we have mourning. Can't escape it. Even in this COVID, there's death all around us. And, you know, there was death before COVID. But it's scary, isn't it? Especially when someone close to you passes away. We grieve such loss and separation. We have a feeling of hopelessness, especially when someone dies and they're young. Or someone gets deathly sick and we don't know what's going to happen. And you know what? To add, we call on God, right? And yet there is still death. We call on the Lord and sometimes he doesn't heal. You remember the story of Lazarus, brothers and sisters and friends? They called upon the Lord and even delayed his coming and Lazarus died. We mourn our loss. But then Jesus comes. And in these worst of times, we find our greatest comfort in the Lord, don't we? We find encouragement. The beautiful scripture in this scripture says, to comfort all that mourn, not some. To those that believe in Jesus, comfort is available. You know, about five years ago, we lost my dad, patriarch of the family. Have someone like that, that close to you, pass away. And I thought after my mom married to him for 50 plus years, and my mom was always the one that was, as the scripture says, maybe the weaker vessel. She, she relied on my dad for everything. My dad did everything for her. All the things that he did, she, she never learned how to pay the bills, how to take care of things, everything. And I thought for sure, I told my brother that when my dad passed, I told my brother Albert, I said, Al, watch mom. I don't know that she's going to be able to survive this. And you have to know my mom's history. She had a lot of issues, especially growing up. You know, brothers and sisters and friends, I have to tell you, today she's a testimony to me. She's a tower of strength. My mom will get on a plane. She'll get on a train. She'll get on a camel. I don't care what it is to go see her family, to see her loved ones. She's got her bags packed at the door, ready to go. She's not ready to give up. She's living life. Not too long ago, she had a beautiful picture on Facebook. She was on a cruise. It's the first time I've ever seen my mom in a bathing suit, I got to tell you. It was amazing. I don't know what my dad saw from down in heaven. I'm sure he laughed. 
She had this awesome hat on and sunglasses. God bless you, Mom. You know what that is? That's a testimony of Jesus. That's what it is. Who says, I'll be your companion from now on. He doesn't always save the sick. And yes, there's death. He doesn't always resurrect the dead. But for the believer, there is coming a day. Oh, my brothers and sisters, it's going to be a resurrection day, a great reunion if we believe. And Apostle Paul in Thessalonians says, take great comfort in this, that ye that sorrow not, you shouldn't sorrow even as others, which have no hope. Does it mean we're not going to sorrow, brothers and sisters and friends? It means that we have a hope in Christ for eternal life. We have a land of our dreams, don't we? And I got news for you. And I'm sure you know this. We're longing for a day that's not far from now called the kingdom of Zion, the day of rest, the day of peace. But even Jesus won't visit there. He won't stay there. He stays in the heavens above. That's where we're going. In Pilgrim's Progress, Christian, he finally got to a land that was called Beulah, married to the Lord. And from that land, they were able to see the paradise of God, a type of Zion, if you will. It was so beautiful there. But still, it was looking at the promised land that was the heavens above. That's a land that is fairer than day. A land that has no sun, no moon, because Jesus is our light. I don't know, brothers and sisters, about you, but as I'm in, I look at life like in thirds. I don't know how you do. That's the way I do. You can look at it in quarters. I don't care. I look at it in thirds, and I'm in the back third of my life. At the beginning end, but the back third. And I'm not promised years and years in this third quadrant, but I'll tell you this. I could see glory. I could see the promised land. I could see Beulah. I could see heaven when I'm in the spirit of the Lord and Jesus is in my soul. I could see heaven and that's how it should be. For we see the kingdom by faith. We see it. And so, my brothers and sisters, these are the five points. To the ministers this morning, I want to speak to you. To those of you that have been consecrated and set apart for the great work of the Lord. Is this your message? I'm asking this morning, is this your message? Because it has to be. It has to be. It's the only message Jesus taught. Oh, he gave us so much color and detail and perspective of how to keep the commandments of God. He lasts books and volumes couldn't contain all what he said. But this is how he introduced himself. This was the reason why Jesus came. You know, my brothers and sisters, he closed that book on that fateful day in the synagogue. And all the eyes were fastened on him, the scripture says. And he sat down, and when, they, when he seen that they couldn't take their eyes off of him, you know what he said? This day... This scripture is fulfilled. Well, you know, personal testimony. On March the 23rd, 1980, about 10.30, quarter 11 in the morning, 
the Saints in Aliquippa. And that was my home branch. It's in western Pennsylvania, for those of you maybe don't know. And in those days, in 1980, that branch, there were so many people that would come. That morning, I don't know how many needed Christ that day. And as we were singing praises to the Lord, you know, I was listening and I was singing. But all of a sudden, the minister got up that day. He got up with great authority that day. And he didn't speak whatever his desires were that day. He didn't speak an agenda. He didn't speak. He spoke these five points to my heart. And that morning, the words of life were coming to me. And my eyes were fastened on him. I couldn't move my eyes. You know, just the night before, I was out partying and drinking, and the alcohol that morning was had me so hungover, I can't even tell you. But something changed that morning for me. I heard the words of life, and my eyes and my heart fastened on him. And when he was done, I couldn't wait till he was done. He gave an invitation, as I'm going to do right now. If you've got a broken heart, if you've got mending that needs happened, if you're captive to things in this life, if you're mourning, if you need joy, if you have terrible ashes in your life that need to be turned to beauty. I remember the words that he said. My brother Paul, Paul Mary, what a pastor. If you want blessings in this life and in the life to come, come to Jesus this morning. And that's my message to you today. When he closed that book that morning, brothers and sisters, brother Paul, Paul, Mary, the word of the Lord became fulfilled in my heart, and I surrendered through faith. And I came to Christ along with my wife. There were eight others that morning. I think that year at Aliquippa, there was close to 15 baptisms, I think. That's how many people came to Christ. What a revival. Because the saints of God were praying every single week and fasting that souls might come to Christ. And they weren't going to give up until we came. That was their message. There is no other message but Jesus Christ, him crucified, resurrected, that the gift of salvation might be given unto people. And it's been restored in these the latter days through his church, the church of Jesus Christ. All oh, my brothers and sisters and friends, I want to just say as we end, as that beautiful hymn says, for all things are changed when Jesus comes to stay. My life will never be the same, neither will Wendy's. I was just yesterday seeing my youngest daughter and my son-in-law. They are in the process of purchasing a new home. And our realtor, who, used, who is such a, a good friend of ours, we spend so much time together, Sister Judy Roberts, so beautiful. And she just, I don't know why, but we happen to be talking about just life and blessings. And she said, oh, I just want to say, Brother Pete, you and your children and your family are so blessed. And so is Jameson's father, Brother Ken, and Sister Sharon, and we have a history. They're so blessed. 
And I want to say today, all glory to God. I didn't do anything great. All I did was give this message to my children that was taught to me. All Brother Ken and Sister Sharon did was the same thing. And blessed be the name of the Lord, our children accepted Jesus. And we have a love for each other. And I now my goal is that my grandchildren will accept and the Lord is the same as they did and their parents did. And so, for all is changed, brothers and sisters, when Jesus comes to stay. May God bless you today. If your life is something that needs change, come to Jesus. Let him come in your life and let him stay there forever. And the change will last and it'll be a lasting change in your life. I love you. I pray for you. If anyone wants to come to Christ today, I'm asking you, I'm pleading, I'm commanding, come to Jesus, I pray. May God bless you is my prayer. What a wonderful message today of hope in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to invite you into my home for a moment and what our life looks like. And I don't know if your kids do this or not, but as we approach bedtime, our children have a knack for asking very philosophical questions. Because I think they know at the, at the end of this philosophical question, mom and dad are going to pontificate for another half hour to 45 minutes. And they get to delay bedtime for another half hour to 45 minutes. Did your kids do this as well? Okay. So we're not alone. So last night, I think it's so beautiful and it ties in so well. Um, we finished our bedtime prayers with our children. And my daughter looks up and she says, Dad, why is our church different from this church? And so what followed was a discussion on some of our differences that we have. And my main point to her last night was what we believe is that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you see, God's message has never changed. The great plan of salvation has never changed from the beginning of time. And you see, the scriptures are very explicit, and it says when Adam and Eve left the garden, it says angels ministered unto them the great plan of salvation. Meaning from the very beginning of time, salvation through Jesus Christ was preached. Period. End of story. And that gospel persisted through the years. And Paul writes in Galatians, says the law was added because of their transgression. Well, it was added to what? The gospel of Jesus Christ. That Israel looked past the mark and they didn't understand. So what he did is he gave them the law to point them back to Jesus Christ. And as I was sitting in the back today and I was thinking to myself, Brother Pete, well, where are these five points coming from? And I was wrestling with that in my head, and I was thinking about it, and he pointed out this wonderful year of Jubilee. And you can find it, a definition in Leviticus, the 25th chapter, and I'm not going to read that to you this morning. But what it talks about, that there are seven weeks of Sabbath, and if you multiply seven times seven, you get 49. It says, on the 50th year is the year of Jubilee. 
It says, Then thou shalt cause the trumpet of Jubilee to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month in the day of atonement. Shall you make the trumpet sound throughout all your land. And ye shall hallow the fiftieth year and proclaim liberty throughout all of the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. So what happened in that 50th year? So on the Day of Atonement, where the sacrifice was given for Israel, you see it was a type and shadow of Jesus Christ being the last sacrifice that we would need. It says, a year dedicated to rest, to restoration of property, to the freeing of people from debts, servitude, slavery. Therefore, the Israelites would dedicate this year of rest to God, acknowledging that God would provide for their needs. And flash forward to today, Jesus came to preach the gospel. That trumpet has sounded. We and ourselves are trumpets preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ that you might understand that he can change your life today. He's the balm of Gilead in your life today. He brings rest to our souls, whether we have broken lives, whether we have broken families, whether we have broken hearts. See, that jubilee in our lives is that freedom from sin, the freedom from anxiety that Jesus Christ brings for you. He gives us hope when we feel that our life is surrounded by ashes and wreckage. He brings us out of that innermost prison as it was so beautifully pointed out today. And he is that oil of joy for mourning. How beautiful that is that the scriptures point us over and over again, this consistent pattern that Jesus Christ was there in the beginning, and if we don't get it, he'll give us different examples and different ways in our lives that we might understand him. And it may be different for me, it may be different for you, how he interacts to you, how he speaks to you. It might be in song, it might be in preaching, it might be in prayer, it might be through opening the word of God. But our prayer today is that you would let Jesus Christ in. Our prayer today is that you understand that Jesus Christ came for you and for me. That he has the ability to change your lives through those five beautiful things that we heard today from our brother. So I thank you for joining us today. I thank you for worshiping with us. I'm so blessed by the message. I'm so blessed in knowing that Jesus Christ gives me hope. I hope that you join us next week. Find us on social media. We have weekly meetings every Wednesday night. We hope that you can join us this week for testimony. May God bless you and have a wonderful week and we'll close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and I thank you for the wonderful message of hope today. We thank you for your son words cannot describe the love that we have for you, that we are filthy rags before you, but we know through Jesus Christ you've called us to be new creatures, that you've called us to change and put away the old person that we once were. And through that love and through his grace and through his mercy, we know that he can change our lives. 
He can heal our broken hearts. He can heal our broken families. He can give us hope and joy for tomorrow. So I pray, Lord, if there are any seeking you today, as you knock on their hearts, Lord, that they might be open, that they would be receptive of your gospel and your love and your mercy that you offer for all mankind. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.